This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertakowski, founder and CEO at Avex, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. everyone and welcome back to the agency x podcast today i'm joined by marco de paulis from privy uh sorry if i butchered your name but hey marco no you got it thanks david happy to be here for sure uh privy is a tool that uh avex we spend a lot of time with you know recommending to our clients and helping them set it up especially for black friday cyber monday coming up uh you know, uh, we've been helping them really set up not only you know newsletter pop-ups, but really digging into some of those deeper cross-sell uh, incentive functionality. And you know, with that new free shipping bar, I remember in our previous conversation we had about that, that blew my mind because that's a feature we get so often that now we don't have to implement uh, you know with custom dev anymore. So that's that's an awesome win. Yeah, we're super excited about it. And, and uh, I think it checks a lot of boxes for a lot of folks, uh, you know, shipping, we talked about in the last conversation is, is always a, a point of contention for shoppers. So just helping people kind of alleviate that objection is, is really, really important. No, absolutely. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the non-linear purchase funnel. Uh, you know, you know, I know, I'm sure tons of listeners here know that the purchase funnel isn't the typical awareness, interest, engagement purchase anymore. That that simple formula doesn't really doesn't really work. Uh, there's so many digital touch points and and all these other avenues and angles, and the the customer journey is not uh, not a straight line. It's often a lot of back and forth repeat regurgitation. So we're going to kind of get into that oh, yeah. and talk all about that. And hopefully any of our listeners who do run or do work at DTC brands get some value out of this. So I guess first to, to start, Marco, uh, when thinking of a purchase funnel, you know, to define what that even is, I, what would you say is your best classification of what a purchase consumer e-com funnel looks like? Yeah, I guess the way that that I kind of think of the funnel and then I think is an easy way to describe it is basically like a, a trail of breadcrumbs that somebody would, you know, sort of leave behind as they uh, take the steps that they need to take to make a purchase uh, kind of from, you know, from point A to point B. And I think that that's the easiest way, at least in my head, to water it down. Um, but that also helps you look at it not in a linear way, which is kind of why I like that analogy. Whereas, you know, a lot of times you see a, a picture of just a funnel, right? An upside down triangle. And uh, these are the different three to six steps. And it's like, that's it. And it, it, it's way too, you know, uh, white and black for it to be really that, um, that helpful or relevant. And so that's, that's the way that I look at it. But uh, curious to get your take on it as well. 
So first, I, I actually love that example because, you know, what do you do with breadcrumbs? You scatter them. And that's literally mm -hmm. what a purchase funnel is. It's scattered all over the place. It's, uh, it, you, you know, and it's, you get ducks or geese, I, I guess it would be, I don't know. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I, I know you're not trying to call consumers like ducks, but for, for that comparison, it's, uh, there's so much information to absorb everywhere. For for me, I don't have yeah. a neatly, neatly packed uh metaphor or analogy i'm usually pretty bad with analogies i uh, i i just look at it as a bunch of curves like a whole bunch of like all over like cogs and gears i guess gears is a really great place to yeah kind of start things that kind of work they work they're separate but they do work together and they do mm -hmm. all have a place in in time but it, it, the big difference is, unlike something that just goes straight, a gear can move in both directions, I believe, yeah. if, if, if it's set up in that way. I mean, I know some gears aren't. I'm not like a gear expert. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a mechanical engineer no, in e uh, or anything? Okay. That was the second. Uh, it was, you go into college, do you want to work in e-commerce or do you want to be a mechanical engineer? And I, <laughs> I had to pick one and, you know, I went with the e-commerce route, but but yeah, it's basically, you know, the, you know, the whole property of Gestalt, the sum is greater than the individual parts. Um, yep. That's basically what the real purchase funnel is because you have tons of things with influencer marketing, email, SMS, subscriptions, uh, social media, ads, all those individual things are very important. They're important to every aspect yep. of e-commerce. Uh, from those things, awareness, brand building, CRO. But when you tie them all together and you actually can track how a user is engaging with those specific avenues regarding your brand, that's really mapping the user journey or purchase funnel. So I would say that's my main take on it. I'll stick with the Gestalt example and then the gears as a second uh, running. But I think that's something brands do struggle with when they hear about the funnel because it's a very vague abstract term that a lot of people and a lot of, you know, influencers mm -hmm. quote unquote on LinkedIn like to throw around, but I feel like we don't spend enough time explaining the nature of those or how to identify them, how to actually track them. So wanted to get into that next and into like the real nitty gritty of that. So what are some ways that you, um, or you or others that you've seen, you know, how do you really identify those funnels? How do you track it? What do you do? Yeah, well, you know, I think you listed a few ways, but there's there's no one formula, right? And and I think one of the biggest challenges in our space is that every platform kind of has their own set of data and their own information and their own analytics, and uh, it, it it can sometimes the more you look into it, the more confused you get because this thing is telling you something than that thing, and uh, you know there's so much out there that you can get wrapped into. Um, I don't know. You can kind of dig your own rabbit holes and sometimes you're, you're not really helping yourself out. I do know that there's, you know, a lot of platforms out there for bigger brands where they can ingest data from all these different points and kind of spit out some, some more um, cohesive information to help. But I guess it depends who we're trying to talk to and who, who we're trying to give advice to, right? Because you know, different size brands with different size budgets and different technologies and different channels are all kind of need different things and can use different tools or don't have access to certain things, right? 
So I think on a, on a basic level, uh, the way that I always kind of speak to merchants about it is, you know, when you want to find really good information about, uh, you know, your, your paid media within Facebook, like look at Facebook, when you want to find out good information on your site, look at Google analytics, when you want to find out, you know, what the funnel and what, uh, the attribution and the sources and the data looks like for Instagram, look at Instagram and vice and, and what have you and start there for the smaller brands. And, you know, don't look at Shopify for everything because Shopify doesn't necessarily have all the right information from the other platforms as well. And so that's kind of the first thing. And then obviously as you grow as a brand, you, you start to be able to, you know, leverage more tools and that can ingest more data and you can start getting, you know, analytics and reports and things out of that and, and what have you. Um, but I don't know if I have a super clear, straight, straight answer for you. Um, you know, kind of alluding to what I said earlier that there's so many different things to look at. There, there's so much data out there. Um, I think one of the things that I always recommend is, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And, I, and I'll sort of, I'll flip it to you too. Like, what do you guys, cause you guys are working with the clients. I'm more on the software side now. Um, mm-hmm what do you see more clients using and like how, how have things changed over the past couple of years? So one thing I have noticed over time is correct. Depending on the, the size of the brand, who they are, what the actual goal is of that funnel that they're trying to identify uh, might be really does depend on the solution for what to track or what to implement because there are tools like Inquire. Um, they are really great for attribution tracking. Uh, they they do a lot of stuff, but they have a Shopify app that's really great for post-purchase where if a user uh, checks out, it asks a simple question like, how'd you hear about us? Or you can integrate it with, you know, Klaviyo. It's, um, I think there are tools like that that are great that sort of automates that that information in a way that still gets those real uh, customer touch points because here's sort of my thing on it. So my specific background is a mixture of psychology and uh, research-based consumer marketing. So I have a lot of personal experience with actually interviewing people directly, which would then go on to creating a bigger scale, you know, survey questionnaires. But I'm a huge believer in actually talking to customers. And even in the beginning, any brand of any size, it's so easy to reach out through email and mm-hmm. to say, hey, not only just, hey, do you want to fill out this survey? Uh, a bunch of different questions. They could even give an incentive like a, a coupon or uh, you know, something a little bit, uh, I don't know, a coupon I'll default to. That's a really easy thing to give. But yeah, even, gift card, coupon, whatever. Yeah, give, yeah, something like that. And if you wanted to spend more time, this is takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder to coordinate. But if you really wanted to, especially with the day and age now, if you wanted to get on Zoom uh, or Google Hangouts with your customers and actually talk to them and really map out like, you know, how did you find it about us? Like, what did you you know, you bought this, you could even have this, you have, because you have this customer information. You What you really want mm-hmm. is to target a lot of the customers who have bought multiple times and figure out, you know, how do they engage with the brand? Where do they come from? Because you might find that they're, in, they're interacting on channels that you have no control over. They, they say that it takes like 13 to 20 digital touch points before someone actually decides to buy from your brand. That's probably true with a lot of, you know, cases, depending on how complex the product is. Sometimes if it's really small, like there are products where 
um, I do, I do keto and I buy a lot of keto snacks online. So if I see something, if I see an ad and um, it's like, I don't know, 15 bucks and uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll like try it. It didn't take me long to do it because the product was low price and it's like a food yeah. item. I, it's not really a big decision. If I don't like it, I never have to buy it again. It's not a, yeah. it's not like a Peloton bike uh, where but that's, that's a nuance that's so important, right? Like when, you know, we're talking about these details and um, making rather, you know, generalized uh, points there's also so many different facets of the e-commerce when it comes to what kind of products are they, what are they priced, what industry, where one funnel can look entirely different from another, you know, the impulse versus a considered purchase. And, you know, it can be challenging to, to map all these different things out. And there's no, you know, it's really hard to make comparisons and, you know, look at this competitor, look at that competitor, look at this industry, that industry, this site, that site, and, you know, ha get like meaningful takeaways that, that, because they it may have the totally the total opposite impact on your business and things like that, and that's what's so I think challenging just generally um, in, in the space is is you know there's so much variance in in everything that you really have to treat your brand, your site, your funnel like on a very you know like that's it that's it's one of a kind sort of thing. Um, even if, you know, you are one of many types of, of products or brands in, the, in an industry that's rather popular. Um, and getting to your earlier point, love that, like, have those one-to-one -one conversations or try and get that one-to-one -one direct feedback from people, you know, right after they make a purchase or after they made a couple purchases, whether there's an incentive or not. And I think it's important to call that out, like, no matter how small you are, how big you are, that's really important and really meaningful and it's doable. And it doesn't really cost much. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And it's less involved like something with influencer marketing, which does actually have a huge uh, place to go back to the examples I talk about with like keto snacks and food. Mm -hmm. I generally as personally, so this is more anecdotal than it is backed by data, but I'm sure there's a lot of people like me. Um, of course, I'll read the reviews for these products on their own site, but there's a little bit of a skeptic in me that thinks, well, you know, they're not going to show that your the product right. is terrible. They're going to and try to filter that. So I will. We try, know I, that you can. You can do you know, that. You can yeah, for someone you who can works make sure you're space. not showing all that exactly. That that's I always kind of get myself with that too. I'm like, well. I know that with this app, you can hide the, the zero and the one yeah, stars. <laughs> you, you, go to the, you go to the dev tools, you type async load and you see what they're using. And mm -hmm. uh, there's one brand, uh, as a really quick aside, there's one brand I went on that had uh, that has a really uh, edited like uh, Shopify plus checkout. And it had a countdown timer like CTA where it's like, oh, like check out within uh, fifth, I think it was like 15 minutes or, or else you're, you'll lose like your product and I, it, you know, I inspected it. I saw what app it is. And I'm like, Oh, when this app, when this timer runs out that my, my order is still going to be in that cart. And it uh -huh. was uh, same but, price, same everything. <laughs> yeah. But most people don't, you know, again, most people don't know that I'm not, I'm not like calling anyone out that does that because it's a smart tactic, but you have to also think that, you know, you're not, if you're not in this industry, you won't always know, but getting back on yeah. track to what I was getting to, there are, reviews especially external reviews um and there's two types where you have influencers who naturally will 
you know, there's a niche for everything and there's blo and blogs are actually still popular if, especially when it comes to organic mm -hmm. searches. I don't know how many people still follow a lot of blogs religiously, but people will come across them by typing in like, Oh, like a perfect keto uh, bar review. And you'll see blog posts yep. or YouTube videos of people that, you know, not, a, I'm sure perfect keto did work with some of them, but a lot of them just review these products organically and people will trust that over what the brands themselves say. Yeah, a little then, harder yeah. to control what's on a blog than what's on your own site. So there's a little bit more, you know, exactly. At least yeah. you hope that it's a little more truthful. Yeah, exactly. And you, you can't always control it. And most most of these guys are pretty good about disclosing if something was sent as a free yeah. thing or a review. So, you know, I think the Internet's gotten a little bit better about that. But then you have something you the the, the most effective thing that you absolutely can control is word of mouth. Uh, you can't control what people say about they say about mm -hmm. your brand it's it's almost like the most salient things that that influence purchase decisions are the things that a brand has least control of which doesn't doesn't surprise me necessarily because people are going to believe other people not the brand but you know how this relates to the funnel you have to be aware of that if you're selling a the kind of product uh, that people will likely review if it's fitness equipment uh, food whatever you know clothing even um, mm -hmm. you should do some of that research yourself. Like think from the consumer's perspective, uh, see what people are saying online about your brand and what are the highest, you know, what's ranking really well for those keywords on Google. So you can actually gauge, okay. Cause you can also actually check that because on Google analytics, you can look at referrals and sometimes these brands yep. will have links to their site on there. So that's also another great way to track that. Okay. This person, a lot of people are coming to our site from this blog and they're saying things about it, is it good or bad? If it's good, that's great. Maybe you want to work with that person again and actually do some greater content, especially if this person has a huge following and tighten that funnel. That's going to strengthen your funnel because then you realize, okay, yeah. a lot of my customers are coming from this one influencer. That's why influencers can make money. A lot of people don't understand it, but people don't realize they don't just make money from posting things. They make money because they help other companies make money with the stuff that they say. But that's totally, yeah. But that's an example of like to your, even to your point, don't just look at shop. Shopify won't tell you everything. Um, it'll probably tell you the least about referral attribution yep. uh, data. But you look at Google Analytics, you do Google, you know, searches. Sure. Is there, are there tools that will do this a little bit more automated, like impact um, mm -hmm. and a few, a few others? Sure. I, I always believe in old school techniques or I guess guerrilla marketing techniques where you're, figuring things out for yourself in a multitude of ways. Is it sustainable? Probably not, but you can then get to those tools when you get to that point. But most brands, most brands, especially uh, with, you know, a lot of the tools that we work with and people that we target, they're not there yet to just throw money at attribution for, sure. for it. So for sure. it's about being, you know, working smarter, not, not harder. So to, to sum up that point, what do I think people should do to kind of, see how their funnel goes is not only check every data source that you possibly can to actually see where customers are coming on your site connect and make sure to connect the dots, do some of your own research and talk to customers. You can, you know, you may not be able to find causation, but you could definitely correlate things, find patterns. Yeah. It may take a lot of, may take more time than you might, might think you might be willing to spend. But likely if you're a brand or a brand owner, you have other people on your team who can, who likely can handle that. You should definitely be 
um, delegating, uh, you could have a whole conversation on delegation, but you know, to that point, it's the data is out there. You've just got to think like your customer. It's, I'm sure I'm making this sound way easier than it really is. You got to put in the work, but in no, the theory I, I mean, of it isn't super complicated. No, I agree for sure. And, you know, I think at least maybe just because of where, where I work with Privy, um, we work with a lot of small businesses in particular. Uh, and just typically if you work in Shopify, there, you know, there's a million, a million businesses on Shopify, the large majority are small businesses. And I think it's the, what we always talk about, you know, kind of relating it back to that, uh, that profile. And, and I think that that point that you make is so applicable to any size business. It's really important. And really it's just a matter of will and time rather than, you know, investment and, uh, in terms of like, you know, dollars and resources and things like that, just, just talk to people. It's that yeah. simple, right? You know, just talk to people and ask them, reach out. People are willing to be helpful, um, whether it's positive or negative, right? Like get, get also get in front of the people who didn't have a great experience and try and learn from them, uh, whether it's, you know, about attribution or whether it's just about experience and, and feedback and things like that. And I know that that's where you, you know, you'll get some of your, your best information, some of your best ideas, and people on the ground floor who, you know, uh, are, are, looking for that type of thing, using it every day and where they're getting it, where they're hearing about it and, and how they're finding everything. Um, so much you can get. And I think the, you made a couple of points, like little survey right after you buy super easy via email on like the follow-up post-purchase really easy. Like you don't need much to implement those two things. Yeah. I'm glad you wrote a post-purchase because I actually want to touch on that. That's a big thing that I think people don't always realize is the when you get when you do get that purchase, it's not over. Really, you're just getting started Definitely with that not. customer. That honestly, oh, yeah. that that first purchase, that's like the you know that's the foot in the door. Then you really get value from them. So, I you know what a tell me about a, I guess some great tools or, or strategies tactics that brands should be leveraging for that post purchase uh, funnel. Yeah, I mean so. Lot, lots to talk about, lots to think about. I think two, two of the things that I always um, bring up with, you know, smaller brands and brands that are just trying to, you know, maximize uh, growth and whatnot. One is obviously the, the post-purchase email flow is so important. Uh, it should be, it should be several emails, right? You should, you should at least have two to two to four and maybe more depending on your product. If your product requires a little bit of like, education on how to use it, things like that. You know, we got a set of, of new pans recently and they sent a lot of really great content on like how to care for them and why they're different, why, why they're better, um, what have you, you know, following up around, you know, order ships, like get excited. It's coming soon. Uh, you can, you can have a lot of really great, um, you, you can build a really awesome relationship with someone even before they get their product and right after they get their product. And that's where you can, capitalize on that and form a really, really strong bond with someone, especially once they have something physical to touch about your brand and don't be shy to, to bring up other products and show them other bestsellers and things that pair well, because that's where the growth really comes. That's where the margin really comes. It's in the repeat purchases, as you know. Um, the second thing that I, I heard, it's a phrase that I heard from someone um, which has stuck with me very uh, strongly or firmly or whatever you want to say, uh, it was very stickly um, that like the the 
opening a box is the only thing that's ever going to have a hundred percent open rate. <laughs> and I just love that like thought. It's so damn true. Cause everyone's always talking about statistics and, and data and open rates and, you know, subject line, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that thing always has a hundred percent open rate. So like put your best foot forward there. I think, you know, you don't have to go crazy with your packaging and stuff, but that's what really sticks with people. And people love that experience, you know, like the unboxing videos get millions of views on, on YouTube for, you know, and, and that's really where you can, again, build a strong, strong connection with someone. So I think that, you know, whether it's just little slips of stuff on, on the product, telling people how to use it, telling people about your brand, your brand story, how this came to be other products you have just nice packaging, nice wrapping, nice box, you know, even just like the tape around the box, like just make it yours, make it stick out, make it stand out because especially in this economy, in this, you know, world, everyone's getting a couple boxes a week of stuff. Like how do you stand out in all the brown boxes and all the Amazon boxes, you know, get creative and, and you can really start to build like a good relationship there. Yeah, I've, <laughs> that's the the opening the box 100% open rate. That's that's really good. That's um, really if you're clever. doing like if you're doing so like true. an ecom like stand up thing, like that would be like a good a good hook for that. But uh, I actually did post um, a while ago, like months ago, on LinkedIn about an order I got from Magic Spoon because they uh, they sell keto cereal. Yeah, um, that I, I know them and that they always come to me, come to mind when I think about that too, because they have a great unboxing. Yes. And, and, and I ordered their, yeah. And I ordered their, um, they were, they sold like a, a special limited edition, uh, bowl and spoon set. Uh, it was like the, it was like the Wait, world's, the world's first optimized, uh, cereal eating spoon. It's, <laughs> I have it. I actually only use that spoon and bowl for eating uh, magic spoon cereal. I don't use it for anything else, but the box it comes in. And I, I, if you looked it up, you'd, you'd see it. It's also on my LinkedIn is one of my posts, but I, it's really good. You open it up and it's all yeah. well engineered and the boxes was definitely specially constructed for this for the is, yeah. spoon. Uh, you open it up and you read all these things. It's their whole branding is related to magic. And uh, they really do make you feel magical I, I i remember the the big thing that i ended that that post with on on why packaging is really important is even though people are all in digital don't forget the physical because that's that's yep. the end experience i mean it, it to your whole point of yeah that's a huge part of the customer experience is what the packaging looks like there will definitely be people that don't always like a lot of sometimes people just generally won't care but i feel like you know magic spoon is very smart about that because yeah think think about the kind of customer that's going to be buying a magic spoon branded bowl and spoon for mind you it was 20 bucks like i bought i spent i paid 20 bucks for a bowl and spoon which i am sure the margin on that is in insane i'm sure i'm sure the design of the box costs them more than the per unit of the the bowl and spoon i will admit it's good material i i actually had a friend of mine uh when we were working on something and i had this idea for coming up with these really great different boxes based on the theme of something and my friend went to me and he's like you know before we do that maybe we should wait to see which category of this thing sells better and who are people that buy 
that, you know, they, they buy it a lot and what's really popular. And then we'll actually make the effort to design and then actually make these more complex packages. It was for uh, an idea that it's long. This was like, uh, I would say 10 years, like 10 years ago. So this was like a, I, I don't even remember what the internet was like back then. It was definitely a lot different, but even from that, he had like a really smart insight where it's like, yeah, you're not every customer is going to care about it. It's a good thing to definitely have, but yeah. you should definitely, you know, at the end of the day, you're, a business is a business and they do have to make money and they can't, you know, they have to save where they can. But when you know you have a product that loyal customers are going to buy, and again, they probably knew the funnel of the people who are buying the bowl and spoon. I, uh, it was likely from social, you know, that's where they, they have a huge, you know, Instagram following. Um, they had the URL that basically said, uh, that like that went directly to the product. That's probably how 90% of people buy it. I mean, I think they still sell it on their site now, but all their products are organized under one dropdown under one product page. I think they realize that people aren't going to just buy it. If you want the bowl and spoon, you'll get it because it's a, they, it goes out of stock really quickly and then it comes back. So yeah. it's like a, if you know, you know, but they don't waste ad dollars trying to promote an accessory item to people who don't even want to, uh, in, engage with it. I mean, uh, to use another example, and I'll, I'll use Perfect Keto again, you'll notice I use a lot of the same examples and I'm, uh, it's because it's what I know. I'm going to quickly- Are you, are you an influencer, David? <laughs> you know, I actually have thought about, I'm looking for something really quickly, see if I could find it. I have actually thought about writing um, stuff. Well, actually I used to write uh, for like a tech blog. I would, do you ever heard of the Nintendo Switch? It's a game console. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I used to buy really bad accessories, like third-party accessories off Amazon to test with my Nintendo Switch with the, with like the tagline, I buy really bad Amazon products so you don't have to. Um, and I've <laughs> been doing awesome. that because I know I know a couple of friends who are actually doing keto too. I, I, I might have even inspired them as well. John himself is even doing keto. And so they off, people often ask me, you know, what are the really great keto snacks? And I've tried a lot of them. So I go out of my way. If I see an ad, there was like times where if I saw an ad, it'd be like, as long as it wasn't like 60, 70 bucks, I'd do it. Yeah. I, I know a lot. Like I could, I have a lot of power internally, like with my friend group. But uh, to that point, so the first time I came across a product from Perfect Keto was buying it from Amazon. And which is actually how I used to make most of my purchases. I've shift, since shifted more to, D to, more to like the D2C route uh, because there's actually better reasons for engaging with them versus Amazon. But when yeah, I bought agreed. that first product, it included a card saying, hey, if, if you... Uh, review this product um, and you buy this and we'll give you this code that will give you 50% off this other product. And it was like an expensive product. Like keto products are pretty expensive and mm -hmm. perfect keto's products aren't the cheapest, but they are some of the best. Yeah. And Good so they're like, okay, if you buy from our, if, I, if you buy from our site, we'll give you 50% off. And I did that. And you know what? I haven't bought any of their products from Amazon again, because I, number one, they run a lot of deals and they are very, and they, they're, when they do new product drops, they launch it on their site first. But either way, I think they that was a, that shows a lot of insight on the on how they know their funnel because I'm sure Perfect Keto yeah. they probably know a lot of people start buying their stuff on Amazon. I'm sure a lot of D2C brands who sell Omnichannel mm -hmm. know that. So what a lot of them do or should be doing is realizing that and incentivizing people. Sure, you may have you may get a lower margin on that on that second purchase. But if you can keep them on your site, you control your branding, you control your message, you ultimately control those customers. 
that's, you know, that's super valuable. And I was even remembering 100%. when I got the, when I got the card I, too, I was like, I, I, I almost, I did it almost purely in the fact that I knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like I, I, I know exactly what they're doing. They know their customers so well, this brand is really smart, whoever they're working with. Like that's, uh, that's why I like what I do and in, in being in the CR, being especially in like conversion rate optimization and, and you know, growth strategy is uh, when I see other brands do it, I get really excited and I'm like, oh, that's such a good idea. Like I want to do that too. It's so clever. Um, uh, so that's why yeah. I, I, but it's, but I come across this stuff just from brands that I really worked with. Yeah, um, no, I, 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 good examples. And, and I, I have a few thoughts, like I think two examples of the complete opposite end of the spectrum for what you can do on that post-purchase as simple as like a little, a little letter, a little card to get you to engage and, and take that, you know, second um, step in the relationship. Right. Uh, I think on the Amazon side, it's really hard to differentiate and it's, you know, the retailers know that or the brands know, like they have no control over that user and they want to get them over to the site and control the relationship, control the messaging. And, you know, most importantly, get, get, get the email, get the data and you can, you know, have a much better shot at, at getting them back again. Um, funny though, too, on the magic spoon, man, because I, I, I've had magic spoon before I bought their cereal. Mm -hmm. Probably your post several months ago was one of the 13 to 20, <laughs> you know, like little touch points that got me to buy them at some point. But I think this is a perfect example for, for multiple reasons. That's one, two, I did end up getting that email a few months later about the bowl and spoon ended up buying it right from the email that took me right to the PDP that said it was probably going to sell out in three hours. Yeah. So I ended up getting it. And so the margin that they made on me, they probably didn't make a ton on my first, you know, package of Ford boxes of cereal boxes. But when they got me then to make a second purchase, get the bowl. Now I'm such a, so much more of a value, you know, valuable uh, customer for them. And even if I don't, you know, buy every two months when I finish my cereal, uh, you know, even if I just get a few times a year and I get another bowl or something like that, I'm a very profitable customer for them. So a uh, couple good sort of ways to weave in, you know, the things we're talking about just between, you know, our, our magic spoon bowl. Yeah, yeah. What it, what it inspires. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ultimately, cause I, it's, I'm a huge believer in making things very simple and not overcomplicating. I, uh, you know, trying to figure this stuff out, which is why when you see the whole thing where they were on social, then desk, then they came onto your site, then they left then they clicked on an ad, then they, that there are definitely ways to optimize that part of it in the real nitty gritty, but that part personally doesn't interest me, but there is definitely ways to optimize and test your general funnels. I mean, like everything, those individual tools do work a little bit separately with ad copy, you know, making sure that mm -hmm. you're variating your ads for email or SMS, make sure that you're, uh, if you're something like Clavio, um, or uh, I assume Privy Email uh, has some A-B testing or has some kind of uh, tagline or subject line testing capabilities. Um, Privy itself, I, I know, has, has tons of A-B testing potential. Um, but there's a lot of tools that you can do. I mean, there's, there's official tools that have A-B testing. And then you can simply try out a message, stop sending that message, send another message, see which mm -hmm. one works, do that a bunch of times, see that which one works. Uh, 
better don't don't worry about ma- like tracking everything and and having everything down and looking at the literal numbers just get a general idea you'll know if something works or or, or not it's uh, it it's it's not that it's not as complicated as some people make it out to be yeah i mean at the end of the day you know uh you could just look at your sales right your sales will tell yeah. you again it's easy to get inundated with all the little data points and data sets and tools here or tools there um at the end of the day yeah the sales will will really reflect like you know whether the 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 changes that you're making whether minor or major are having an impact in, in one direction or the other no the yeah, for, for sure. It's don't get caught. Don't get too caught up in the the numbers. If there is if there's negative patterns, try to figure out what's wrong. Maybe it's an off month. Maybe it's it's not. It, it you know it may not make or break your business all the time. But uh, you know it's it, if you're if you're a brand owner and you rely on that for your main source of income and you have employees that you got to pay. It, a lot of a lot of these grievances that they that sometimes even the clients we work with have. It's totally understandable. Um, yeah. Sure, a 0.02% drop in conversion rate might not seem like a big deal if you aren't the one that is, you know, if you're not the one that gets paid by that brand, or you're not, you know, you're not part of that brand. It may not, on paper, it may seem like a really small dip or natural dip. But if you're a brand owner, that's a huge uh, a thing. But I, I think with, well, the, yeah. No, I was going to say, I think, uh, valid point for sure. And I think that, um, something that you have to consider, right. When it comes to making changes is be, be careful <laughs> when, when you're, when you're testing things out and, and test little things. And instead of like, you know, just trying to revamp your en- entire site by yourself and just switch your theme and you know, like that can have significant consequences. And so, you know, go bit by bit, do your research, you know, plan accordingly, get customer feedback. You know, um, if, if you're at a point where you can work with someone who knows what they're doing and who can, you know, really analyze and, and test, like those are really important things. So um, and I don't know if we're getting off a little bit here, but like I, I've seen it firsthand and I'm sure you have too, David, like brands will just make a huge significant change just on a whim without really backing that in something. And it just like, you know, conversion rate is cut in half or something like that. And it's, especially when you have employees or if this is your, you know, your, your income stream, your main income stream, like that, that's not anything to mess around with and joke around with. So um, yeah, incremental changes, you know, test yeah uh, do them small uh make sure that you do have yeah. a staging and uh, staging and separated yeah. from your production environment when working on this stuff if you're on shopify plus it's really easy it comes with um you can set up like a dev store as mm-hmm. as part of it but uh and other things is also leverage i, I said to the point i said earlier leverage your existing customers if you want feedback yeah. on something like if uh, whether it's for on-site things or if it's about a new product about like how something tastes or yeah. what they generally think about it. I mean, talk to them. If they have, a, if a lot of people, if you release a new product and there's something wrong with the formulation and people like really hate it, uh, you know, th- that's a bigger problem that uh, that's, that takes priority over funnel because if the product is bad, it won't matter how right. optimized your funnel is because then people right. won't buy it. I, 
And your thing about on topic, off topic. Uh, honestly, everything in e-commerce and marketing is related. There's almost nothing that is off topic because you can cycle back to everything. I mean, when you look at the, you know, all right, this episode's about the funnel. So I'll say the word funnel, but the funnel is made up of everything in digital yeah. marketing and in, in e-commerce. It's just about how you, you frame it. I mean, we have, we've recorded individual episodes for SMS, for customer experience, uh, you know, conversion optimization, all, all that, all that stuff. The funnel is really just the ways in which the consumer connects with them in a particular order to get to your product and to make a, a purchase. And then it doesn't even stop there. So, um, you know, I've, I'm a big believer in asides. I, I do a lot of them, so it's, it's all good. But, uh, with that, I guess the, the one final thing I want to ask is, uh, I guess, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is coming up. Hopefully this episode goes up before there, knowing our track record that might not be, but we're, here's hoping. I, <laughs> uh, what do you think is a really easy, you know, maybe an hour, an hour or two at most quick win that merchants can do to, you know, optimize that, uh, that sale AOV lead gen, what, you know, whatever that KPI is, mm -hmm. you know, what's a really quick win that a merchant can do like right now? Um, well, I, I mean, my gut reaction, uh, working where I work <laughs> and this may be a little bit of a softball question for me, but and it wasn't, this wasn't but bland I, listeners. No. Um, but I personally, and again, like I, I've, I've worked in agencies and I've consulted brands and everything, but I, I truly believe that I think privy is one of the quickest ways to, to optimize a funnel for, you know, with, with the least amount of time, the least amount of resources, the least amount of dollars invested, um, you know, a few different displays, whether it's pop-ups, fly-outs, cross-sells, bars and banners, things like that, you can significantly impact the funnel and, you know, a few of those key metrics, whether it's average order value, conversion rate, um, you know, sign-up rate and, and things like that. And if you can tweak a few of those things within an hour and, and implement one or two that you didn't have before, set up an A-B test on each you can have a, a serious, you know, impact, uh, you know, even if you can lift a signup rate and AOV and a conversion rate, each of them, you know, anywhere from five to 20% each metric, right? Like that can, that can mean thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, depending on the size of brand you are. Um, so I think that for someone on a big commerce or a Shopify, it's, it's one of the easiest ways to, to do that. Um, look at, you know, kind of what's going on on your site and see if you can build a, a better email capture. See if you can, you know, do you have anything that's stopping people from leaving their site? No, we'll throw an exit intent. And if you wanna make sure not everyone sees that exit intent, add an extra targeting condition to say, it's only for people who have X amount of dollars in their cart and they're about to leave. And if you don't have anything to cross sell something, well, hey, if your AOV is 50 bucks, why don't we try and get that up by 10 bucks? And recommend your best seller to everyone who does not have your best seller in the cart. Really easy. Mm -hmm. You know, those are just, and then boom, slap a free shipping bar on your site. If you have free shipping over anything, that's not $0 and three quick tips, you can set those up in an hour and you can have a, you know, a, a nice little lift in some of those things and voila. Um, that's, you know, again, the privy employees perspective on how you could yeah. probably improve those metrics really, really quickly. But 
you know, again, I say that because I I work here and I see it every day and I see the metrics and I see the success with it. And again, it's with small businesses that don't have the resources or the manpower to do it. So not trying to make it a pitch, but I just haven't come across too many things where you can have a pretty big impact in a very short amount of time, like an hour, like you said. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, when, when I asked you that question, that didn't cross my mind until you brought it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but <laughs> if I was if I was really a softball, I'd be like, do you, it's like, do you know what to do if merchants can't collect uh, enough newsletter signups? Like if I was being really, <laughs> if I was being really direct, like uh, like that. But no, I totally agree. That's why, um, you know, I'm not afraid, uh, you know, we're, we at Avex like aren't afraid to say uh, when the partners we work with are really great because Privy is the learning curve is so small. It's so easy to use. Uh, you can really figure out how it works in seconds. They got a huge, they got a great help center. It's very intuitive. And for its price point, it's got an insane ROI. Um, you, I, I yeah. would say you, if you, as long as you got a good product and you're driving quality traffic and you're, you know, you learn how to use Privy and how, how it works and you get comfortable with it. Honestly, you you can make your money back from how much how much how much ever privy costs so so quickly. That's why you know, it, and yeah, uh, to be clear, not a paid plug. Um, this is <laughs> not a this is not a promoted statement. But in all seriousness, I do think it's a great tool that every brand should be using, especially if you're a newer brand. You've you're not that familiar with the space, um, and you need like that again, quick win. Privy's got like four different, I would say you guys replace like four apps in like one tool, which is great. I like those all-in-one solutions and it's not complicated. It, it integrates directly with Shopify and a few other tools. So no, but yeah. Um, I, but I think regardless of what tool you're using, everything that Privy offers in, in theory, you should be doing on your site for making sure that you're maximizing newsletter newsletter signups, your cross-selling people thing on things that they really actually want and mm-hmm. tying it all up in a nice ribbon when going back to the funnel. One of the great things, regardless if it's privy or not, is I love the concept of having a, having a pop-up or a tab. I think they're called tabs on your site that um, user clicks on it. Then they can get a you know percent off or whatever the promotion is because sometimes yeah. users are when you go on a site and they're served a pop-up immediately, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to close it because if it's a new mm-hmm. customer, they don't know your products. They don't know if they even want it. They're not going to give you their email for any percent off, really. Even if it was 50% off, they are not going to give it to you if they don't know they're going to buy. The great thing totally. about tabs, people go through your site, they're looking, they you know, they might go through these all, all these other touch points um, and they come back yeah, to your 100%. site. And then they go on the PDP, they see the tab with the little message that says get 15% off at that point. You know what? They're ready. Click on it. They sign up. They get the coupon. They uh, you know, they convert. I, I Personally, going back to anecdotal, I love it when websites do have those kinds of you know pop-ups or, or tabs because I'll see a pop-up, I'll close it, and then I'll scroll to the footer. And a lot of times brands aren't consistent with the messaging. Like their, their pop-up will say get 15% yeah. off, but their newsletter sign up in the footer will say sign up to like to like get updated on or, like deals yeah. and and like new things. And it's like, wait, is it the same like offer? You don't know. Like I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Like as someone who's in this space, I'm sure the offer is literally the same. I don't think it it would Probably be, but I, I don't know. Series, but but you're I mean, but anytime if someone has a question 
with within an e-commerce site, like your probability of getting a sale goes down yeah. significantly, right? So um, no, 100% agree. And little insider like data point for you, which um, fascinates me, uh, you know, just looking at a select amount of accounts, we're not talking about thousands and thousands of accounts here of data, but uh, we've seen like 20% of these signups coming from just that tab alone. It yeah, makes wow. perfect sense, oh, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, to your point, most people don't want to sign up the first time they get a, an email, you know, request, uh, no matter how good the sale is. Like, this is my first time here. This is my first of my 13 to 20 touch points before I might make a purchase. I'm not ready to give you my information yet. I need to see what's going on and gives you the ability to pull that up later without having to, you know, try and hack the system and go incognito, you know, and a couple of yeah. days later when you're really thinking about that purchase, stuff like that. And you're like, darn, did I miss, did I miss out on that? Um, yeah, that's a huge one. And, you know, I think a couple other interesting tidbits and, and why I think it's really important to have a, a few layers of, of data capture is that, um, 98% of people aren't ready to make a purchase or 97, right? Like the average conversion rate, you know, the, the inverse of that is two to 3%, right? Two, two and a half percent, something like that. I think so. Yeah. Depending on the industry. And so how do you protect yourself from, you know, 97 to 98% of your traffic, maybe never coming back to your site and never buying from you at all. And at least that gives you, you know, capturing a phone number and email is probably the best way that you can protect yourself and, and give yourself a, a higher probability chance of actually getting a conversion at some point. And then, you know, that's where you get into your, your funnel, right. And not just the attribution, but that, that sort of middle portion of the funnel where people then, you know, are jumping around the site, they leave, they go make dinner, they get retargeted later, you know, when they're watching TV, they come back, then they maybe, you know, uh, add it to their cart. Maybe they leave again, they check a blog, they check some reviews, they ask their mom if they'd like, you know, the shoes. It's just, it, it's so hard to map that out and the breadcrumbs are all over. Like They're scattered, yeah. Yeah, and so it's really, really, you know, it's impossible to, you know, no two funnels look alike, right? No, you'll, you'll but, get the, you'll get the top of the bag where, you know, a little bit more consistent, evenly well-defined uh, breadcrumbs. But then as you get to the bottom and those are like the small crumbles, you, you never get there. Um, you just can't, there's just too many points, but yeah, uh, exactly. Measure what you can um, figure out patterns, talk to customers, test things. It's um, I feel like these are points I always bring up um, in almost every single episode, but like I said, everything in e-commerce and digital marketing is connected, maybe different medium, maybe different mm -hmm. outcome, but ultimately the theory is the same. But with that, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Marco, thank you so much. This was amazing having you on the, uh, on the show. Always great to chat about e-commerce and privy and all and, and, uh, breadcrumbs. It's all that great stuff. <laughs> Magic. <spoon>. Made me <laughs> hungry. <laughs> thank you so much, David. Really appreciate you having me and uh, offering up the podcast. Had a great time and uh, we'll be chatting soon, man. Yeah, take care.